0: Hey, this is Louisiana Sister Squad Podcast, where we bring you real information to enhance your truther lifestyle. I'm Katie.
1: And I'm Tammy. Welcome Welcome to to the the show. show.
0: The truth train doesn't stop here. Did you know that you can connect with us and our guests further? Join us on the uncensored platform, Telegram
1: for live chats and Q&A with our guests. Welcome to the show,
0: Erica.
2: Hi, thank you so much. Yes, my name is Erica Smith, and I am a gut health coach. And I've been doing this actively as my own personal business for um, close to two years now. But I was doing it sort of off the side before that for um, maybe another year and a half. And today I'm here to talk about gut health and anything related to that.
1: We do follow you on Instagram, and I saw a really interesting post about chia seeds. And what's interesting about that is I never heard anything bad about chia seeds, and I do suffer from colitis. Um, I do believe that was caused by breast implant illness. However, I was eating a lot of chia seeds, like every protein shake after the gym, I had chia seeds. And I just thought it was so interesting that you brought that up. And then, you were talking about lectin. And so I researched that as well. So for our listener, can you explain a little bit in depth about lectin? And if you want to talk about the chia seeds again, as well as the quinoa? Yeah.
2: So this is a really interesting reel. Like I have been working on my Instagram account for uh, really aggressively for a while now. And for whatever reason, this reel, like, completely took off. And I really think it's because it's one, it's two foods in there that I'm talking about, the quinoa and the chia seeds that are touted as these like super healthy foods uh, by so many people. And I'm not necessarily, I've talked about this because, you know, you're only seeing a snippet of me in that reel, right? And it's not that I'm saying that Um, Chia seeds are necessarily like bad for everyone, but chia seeds are really, really high in lectins. And lectins is something that I got introduced by Dr. Steven Gundry four years ago, and it really kind of transcended my revolution in terms of my health, like 180 degrees. I mean, everything that I was hearing about lectins and about... Um, anti-nutrient foods that I was eating because they were in the standard American diet, sort of so focused like brown rice and wheat bread and wheat pasta. I mean, I switched to all those things unknowingly that lectins were sort of encased in the hull and come to find out now recently as well that um, the hull of a lot of these grains also holds metals. So it's like a double whammy. Like if you didn't want to believe the lectin things, now you have the metals in there as well. But lectins basically are a protein and they are in fruits and vegetables. And mainly they are found in either the seeds or the skins of the fruits and the vegetables, especially on nightshade vegetables like tomatoes, eggplants, um, uh, zucchinis, and all those things. So uh, it's not that they're bad, you can remove them and eat them as well. But what these lectins do is they attach to your gut wall and they uh, force your wall to produce something called zonulin. and that zonulin will um, cause your gut wall to open up and create what's known as a leaky gut. And so the the higher load of lectins that you have, the higher chance you're going to have at having an actual leaky gut. And so that's why lectins are so important. Now, some people may not be necessarily sensitive to them, but really in my experience with my clients, most of them are, and chia seeds are extremely high in them. And so are quinoa or so is quinoa.
0: We also like to talk about how not everybody is the same. So what's good for one doesn't mean it's good for everyone, which can be tricky because when you see things like chia seeds become really trendy, um, you know, you have to stop and wonder, Is it doing you any good? Um, And we also like to talk about measurable results. How is it really making you feel? Um, When it's happening internally, I think that can be really tricky um, because we can't see inside of our stomach and our intestines on a regular basis. Um, And there's so many factors that kind of go along with like, how are you feeling or how is your body responding to it?
1: Like, what are like the signs and symptoms for somebody who might be lectin intolerant? Yeah.
2: So this is really interesting because we were talking about gut health, they can be a myriad of symptoms and they could be unrelated to sort of your gut as well. So somebody that's being exposed to a lectin, um, will, and and have a negative response to it, will have either a stomach ache, uh, diarrhea, constipation, they could get bloating, um, they could get acne, they could get headaches, um, There's just so much that we can go there. Now, I want to really, really focus on the fact that everybody thinks of lectins when when I'm talking about them and they think they've never heard of them, but it's not true. There's a very, very popular lectin out there. Everybody knows about this one and it has caused so much drama in our society right now. Everybody is sensitive to gluten. So gluten is just one of the lectin properties that's out there that can cause some troubles. And so anything that you can relate to gluten sensitivity, is probably going to be a symptom that you could have if you're sensitive to lectins period. And so the way that I generally address it is I do with my clients, we always do a two week sort of reset where we remove all of these lectins and we really kind of focus on feeding the good gut microbiome. So that the good bacteria can start producing postbiotics and start replacing and regenerating the cell wall, removing the zonulin from, from there. So you can actually start healing and increasing the mucosal layer in the area so that you, if, if, and when you're exposed to, uh, sugars or lectins or anything like that, they can attach to the mucosal layer and then that mucosal layer pretty much disappears with, or gets thrown away into your poop. Uh, your bowel movement eventually. So what we want to do is we want to build a good, nice wall, which the least amount of holes in it is possible. And then we want to make sure that we have a good army sort of on the side with uh, a good mucosal layer on there. And, and that is going to prevent the symptoms because the headaches, the inflammation, all of that comes from when we actually have those um, holes in our intestinal wall and you literally are letting shit in. And so there's what's called LPSs, lipopolysaccharides. And another way to think about them, Dr. Gundry always, always calls them little pieces of shit, because what, that's what they are. Our, our poop is filled with uh, broken down, dead pieces of bacteria. And so those little LPSs will cross the, the wall and cause inflammation They they are known to be, um, you know, when you have your joint pain and all those things, that's basically you are a sign of you having leaky gut.
1: That's really interesting. Yeah, so this is actually
2: an interesting word. Uh, most people say kefir, other people say kefir. Uh, I think that the foo-foo way of saying it is kefir or whatever, but kefir, kefir, either of them, those are going to be feeding the lower gut microbiome. And what they're doing is, is is feeding that good good gut bacteria. And they are the ones that are basically providing a better environment, closing up that cell wall. So yes, I am a fan of kefir or kefir i still am not a proponent that there is just one thing that you can do to uh, you know be in a better spot health-wise especially for your gut it takes a lot of different things including mental health and so uh, when i work with my clients one-on-one you know we're looking at all of it and that's why you know one-on-one work is so important because not like we talked about the signature of your health is not the same for you than it is for somebody else and so while a lot of people can be doing all the right things with their foods. We're not addressing the stress and we end up with, you know, high cortisol and having issues with our gut anyway. So I do love kefir. I love kombucha as well. Those are like medicine for me. Um, and, but my favorite is by far, um, broth. That is my favorite medicine.
1: Yes. Um, I actually did the, um, boil the chicken for three hours. And, uh, I noticed immediate improvement in my stomach after that. And it's been much better ever since.
2: And you, you guys have interviewed Nicole and Nicole and I are, uh, really great friends and we enjoy doing the podcast together. And I think what brought us together was the fact that, um, one of the things that brought us together was the fact that we're both healing guts, but in a totally different way. So the reason why she heals with, um, meat, uh, mostly is because, She was a vegetarian vegan for a very long time and she had a lot of issues and she ended up with colitis. And so I, I, there is definitely a place for a higher carnivore diet when you are coming from that. And she has really great experience with that because. That's her experience. The people she attracts are people that are suffering from that, right? So her, her knowledge with it is really beneficial for people that do that. My realm is more, I I actually promote a wider range and I do believe in using fiber and vegetables in your diet. And I, I do that because I believe that you're better off if you have a wide range of gut, uh, bacteria. That way you have more guys doing, protecting you, right? The bacteria have been here for a millennia. They know exactly what's going on. And the more you have of them, the better you're going to have immunity-wise and exposure to all the toxins to dealing with them. So I want a wide range variety in there. And maybe it's because when I was a child in kindergarten, I suffered from uh, intestinal ulcers. And so my gut microbiome actually is, I have less bacteria than a lot of the people that I, I treat or work with as clients, and even Nicole, which is the first person that I sort of compared with, uh, I have a lot less of them. And so my goal in my life is to increase those bacterial numbers, to have a wider range of variety, because I believe that that is going to give me a better chance at surviving better. But gut health in relation to broth is like the most magical thing you can do. And the reason is because you're going to be getting protein, when you're drinking that and you're going to be getting that l-glutamine that is going to help with that wall and the mucosal layer and so again you are basically developing a better wall and you're de- developing a better sort of area where things can be addressed with before even coming close to your wall and i don't think people understand that um, starting from your mouth to your anus this is still outside of you so you protecting yourself, what you put in your mouth is not even as important as what you that wall that we're we're talking about your intestinal wall and your 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 intestines there. You're talking about a surface of about a tennis court. So there is a lot of protection that has to happen in there in order to prevent things from coming in because that is still outside. And so the the broth, i I do broth, my family does broth. At least probably once a day, I have this large pot that I do. I put it in bags and I freeze them, and I take them out every week. And we always have broth typically before dinner time.
0: Well, that's awesome. It's like a before it's like an appetizer before dinner, <laughs> a little broth tea. I love that. Um, I really think that uh, it's great what you do and and just to- a <laughs> <laughs> to piggyback on Tammy, you and Nicole do. Uh, and I do think that's awesome that you guys uh, work together. I kind of wanted to to ask you about that. Um, but as far as people working with with you, I, what I love about it is that it's custom.
2: So I I love doing a poop test for my clients that work with me one-on-one. And I always encourage and I talk about it. Um, I try to talk about it often for you, anybody that's out there. I mean, the, the company I use is Ombre. And it's a hundred dollars and for a hundred dollars you get like what is in you and you get to see and they give you recommendations on how to increase and who's high and who's low. So you can do this sort of on your own. It's really, really great company to do that and affordable. So for my one-on-one clients, I always encourage that we do blood work as well so that we can look at how we're maintaining or using glucose, what's our cholesterol, is our liver slowing down and all those things. Um, When when you work with me one-on-one, do I use a web portal? So yes, you get menus, you get recipes. This is not something that a lot of coaches do, but I do because I love food and maybe I'm a control freak and I want to tell you what you should be eating or not. Cause I want to know, I want to know what's happening. I want to know when you eat something, what is going on? How did your body respond? I want to track it. Did we do, was it cabbage? Was it broccoli? Was it the meat? Was it, I want to know because people want to know most of the people that come to me, they say this often. I don't know if you can help me because I'm already eating all the right things. I am already eating healthy. I already eat organic. I already do this. I already do that. And, two weeks into it, they're like, I wasn't doing anything right. And it's just, it's interesting because it's so frustrating. And that was one of the comments the comments that I used to get, or that I'm getting on this reel that completely went silly viral. It's like, people are like, oh, it's good now. And it's, it's not good tomorrow and all those things. And I always say like, is it good for you? Like you have been trying this stuff for months, for years. Are you happy with the results? Then try something different. And what I like about doing the poop test is that I have had out of all of my clients, I've had two clients that, when I do their poop test and we look at their bacteria, they should have been touching a piece of meat because they are so off balance. And this is not something that I promote at all. But I have to shift them to eating so much less meat than I would even be, you know, that I think is good. But the reason is because we have to sort of rebalance their gut microbiome, and and they feel bad they're coming to me because they feel that it's not like I'm, I'm switching it because I think it should be balanced. It's you coming because you're, you're uncomfortable. You're having issues The you know, we're not, we're still working on doing one, two weeks and you're not feeling a hundred percent. Well, guess what? We see the poop test and we know what's going on. So I definitely do that with, with my clients. And then I also have group programs that are not one-on-one, but they are generalized enough that people do get so much out of them. And it's not just a group program where you, um, you know, you get a few little recipes or indications of what to eat or what not to eat. Again, you get menus, you get recipes and you get education through it. I want to teach people how to do this on their own. I don't want you to have to work with me for the rest of your life. I want you to know, and I want you to know when you, you can do blood work with me so that I can teach you what to look at so that you can make the changes and retest and look at all those things. I want people to know, I want to empower people to
1: do this on their
2: own.
0: That is freaking awesome.
1: So um, just to clarify, when you say um, the first thing you do is go get blood work in the poop test for blood work, are you talking about an immune panel? Um, just like for, you know, our average listener, like what did they go to their primary care physician and say, did they ask for an immune panel? Did they ask for something specific? And also, can you give the website for the poop test one more time?
2: Absolutely. So ombre O M B R E is what where you will go get your poop test for blood work. This depends because I mean, are you having RA issue? Are you diabetic? Are you pre-diabetic? Have you been told about this? So it would differ. There's there's definitely places where you can put your money on on blood work, but the most basic that you should do is just just a cholesterol panel and a glucose panel, but not just glucose, like your fasting glucose and your fasting insulin. And this is extremely important because you can have a regular glucose but still be on your way to diabetes or prediabetes because you're overshooting your insulin in order to keep your glucose down. So you really, really want to make sure that you know why or how your body is maintaining the glucose at under 100.
0: Thank you for clarifying that. I feel like we have a bit of knowledge because we've one, taking a specific interest in this, and then have recently done a podcast. And I felt like we started off really strong and running. I want to bring it right back down to the basics. You brought up gluten. And that's another thing that's um, trending, like you said, just people are saying, oh, I have gluten allergy, or they're avoiding gluten, and they really don't know why. So I want to ask a very baseline question is, can you give us the elementary context of what is gluten where it can be found and what are some of the signs and symptoms to a gluten allergy
2: so gluten is found mostly in wheat products and it is actually found in in the whole sort of area of the grain but it's a it's a protein uh that that is affecting the gut lining and so when you are affected by to that you can have you can end up with things like colitis or ibs or uh, like those are diagnosed sort of diseases let's just put them that way but you can have it could be as minimum as just feeling bloated uh or a headache or feeling tired after you eat the food it can be very minimal in terms of what you can feel after having gluten I think that people will will latch on to this one thing that they can take away, and their health will be better. And unfortunately, saying no to gluten has become one of those things. And then you find it with other things, like the chia seeds. They're like, okay, well, chia seeds are are good for blood pressure, or they're good for my cholesterol. So I'll just take a handful of chia seeds, and I will be good to go. It doesn't necessarily work that way. And the reason is because you could probably handle some amount of gluten or some amount of other lectins, some amount of metals, the issue is the toxicity level. And I, I, I talk about this because that's what you really have to consider. I cannot control 100,000 ways that I am getting toxins into my body, but I can control several of them. And so I know that I'm getting plenty of toxins elsewhere. So I personally choose to reduce the amount of toxins that I can and I do that through removing Um, I live a lectin low lifestyle, you can't take them all away, but I live a lectin low and obviously I try to buy things that are going to be low in metals and all those things because the toxin level is what you're really uh, looking at for being healthy.
1: I think it's uh, quite sad that we live in a society where we have to you know, look for these type of things and foods pretty terrible but you know thank god there's people out there like you giving this awesome information on how to combat the government essentially um (laughs) so okay another really interesting post that i saw was you got the food email i'm guessing from your children's school and um they had on their six to eleven servings of bread cereal or pasta per day like who eats that and also did you contact the school and say, like, what the fuck?
2: (laughs) Yeah, so this was another interesting post, and I think a lot of people are starting to see it more. But, uh, you know, here's what's interesting about it, and I'm making a reel about it because I I did get some feedback on it, and some was good and some was bad. But um, it is hard to make 6 to 11 servings of breads, rice, and pasta if you're really like using rice bread and pasta. But I think the reason why this is done, and this takes it a little bit to that whole government thing, is that the reason why there's six to 11 is because it's really easy to get to six to 11 if you're doing boxed cereal and granola bars and mac and cheese in a box and all of those things. And that is, I believe, in my opinion, that is why that allotment is there because the pyramid was not created by any doctor or nutritionist or anything like that it was it was really done by the marketing companies the companies that are selling you these products and so for them to make more money in my opinion you get to have more of that because you buy more cereal and you buy more granola bars and you do all of that so i i'm planning on making hopefully a reel soon enough that shows you like if you really wanted to do 6 to 11 servings of pasta and breads and rice, this is what it would look like in your day. And by the way, according to the stipulations here, you also have to fit all of these other foods in there, fruits and vegetables and the meat. And so this is what your day would actually look like, but it's so much easier to do it the other way. And I wanna make that comparison really easy, like how easy you get that six to 11 when you're using processed foods. So, and in regards to if I've emailed the school or not, no, I have not. I have done some activist schoolwork about two years ago here when the whole mass thing came up and i have not gotten back into that because i've been really busy helping sort of people one-on-one and i'm trying to really generate this sort of movement within a household and i do this with a lot of my clients that have families and 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 kids to where they start really recognizing this stuff so that again they can start making choices within their home that will eventually affect outside but i still believe you start with you, start with your family, and then that sort of propagates um, to the sides.
0: Yeah, as uh as a mother, I definitely agree with um, you know, we can we can be active and/slash activist as far as like contacting the school and things like that, but you also have to do what you have time for, and your time will always be best used by investing into the kids to give them that knowledge. And um, that's another thing that we've talked about several times when it comes up to all of these other agendas and the mask and them being told that this jab is good and all of their friends are doing it and their parents, you know, because uh, the chil- the way the children are acting is a is a reflection of what they see on TV and what they see in their home. And so, the best thing that I can do is just prepare my children to be uh, as resilient to the propaganda as they can be. And uh, speaking of the food por- pyramid, um, I was actually spent a little bit of time uh, investigating that. I had known the original food pyramid uh, was made by the lobbyist. Um, by the dairy farms and stuff like that. That's why there's milk in school. And uh, here in Louisiana, when you get the school lunch, you have to take a milk with you. And it doesn't matter if you drink it or not. The The milk has to be on your lunch tray. And so if that's not a big red flag to millions of people, it's like okay well why do they have to take it if they're not drinking it isn't it wasteful well it's because it's already bought and paid for it's allotted they have to go through x amount of milk they can't go put it back in the cooler because tomorrow they're going to have another very large shipment of milk so their our money is going to them purchasing milk and even if it's being thrown away um which i think was very interesting and then joe biden just recently held uh the basically the meeting of the food pyramid and it was all people the the craft um Kellogg yeah it was Kellogg they make a lot of cereal um and things like that so I knew that this revamp of the food pyramid was coming out um because they were all meeting and you're 100% correct it's not about uh factual nutrition information from a nutrition expert it's like saying I mean I sell coffee for a living so if I lobbied hard enough I could incorporate coffee into the daily pyramid right (laughs) you know or if if i had the right money the meeting
1: called the bio engineer ingredients Uh, right
0: (laughs) right um i'll have to look i'll have to look back at the post but it was like uh it was definitely and joe body was talking about how it's the first meeting they had had uh in 50 years on the nutrition and blah 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 which is Oh, it's just a bunch of bullshit. Was he
1: at the meeting 50 years ago or two hundred years ago? <sighs> probably. Two words made in America.
0: Yes. That's where our cereals made in America. It's probably <laughs> not. It's made in a lab somewhere. But um, but yeah, preparing and being able to pass down this information. I definitely uh I, I definitely like that. And I like that, that you're uh your taking your perspective on it. You're doing a lot of great work for sure.
2: Yeah, interesting that you say the whole um, meeting that came up, there's a little bit more coming out of that.
0: Uh, I believe that Dr. Mark
2: Hyman was at the meeting. Um, I know that, uh, if I don't know if you guys follow him, but uh, he actually sent to whoever subscribed uh, to, their, to their website or to their email or whatever, like if we had questions or suggestions to be made for that meeting, because they were gonna be able to present them. And so I, I did do, uh, a little bit of list and and of things on that. I don't, you know, we never know what gets said or not after we make the suggestions and everything. But uh, I think some people are really trying. It's just that it's just, we're little, you know, we're little, but I still believe that a little, a lot of little makes a lot. And so I, I still am a proponent of that. I have no idea what was said on the meeting. I am looking forward to sort of listening in a little bit more and figuring out what was talked about and what ended up coming out of it. But probably nothing good because we all know that, you know, government doesn't really ever know what's going on in anybody's houses. And that's why it's hard for them to determine what needs to happen in my house.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I'm glad uh, we still have the option right now to not co-parent with the government because Man, oh man, they make a mess out of everything, in my opinion. Graham, you recently
1: touched base on essential oils, and I thought that was super interesting. Not just the essential oils, but what you said and gave the message you gave. It was like before you dabble in all these other fun, holistic, natural things, get yourself right and tackle whatever is the biggest problem. You have going on essentially that's don't quote me on that but it, that's what you were saying and so um if you want to talk a little bit about that and your fasting protocol
2: i don't uh, i'm not affiliated with anything really right now except the cereal um i do love the cereal that we use Lovebird, and they have a really good cause they donate to cancer but anyway um doTERRA has been around for a very long time and they have really good reviews i mean the results with the people they get are fantastic and so i get so many people asking me about supplements and what i do and i am not a doctor i don't you know i don't can't necessarily recommend any of this stuff so i can tell you what i do and why why i do it and you can choose to do that or not right but uh one thing that i always say is like you have to heal your gut first you have to balance yourself out first because otherwise you don't know where your body is at see if you um if you drink a cup of coffee at eight in the morning you won't know if you were tired or not tired you know in your morning so I, coffee is one of those things that I'm actually off of it right now, but I do recommend coffee flexibility, caffeine flexibility. So you can drink your coffee. I, I think of it as a drug and it is so fantastic Like coffee is the best thing in the world when you're fasting and you take your cup of coffee after, you know, you've exercised and all those things. And then you take coffee and you are like on this high where you're so, so productive. And so that will link us to, to fasting as well. Time-restricted fasting is different than fasting. When you're going fasting, fasting, you're talking about a water fast, like right? in a cave, not doing anything. I don't recommend doing that unless you have a you know necessity, like a medical necessity where you think that that would be beneficial and that should be done um, with the access to a doctor or a nurse or something watching you. Um, but I do believe in time-restricted fasting. And I'll go through my basics of fasting real quick on here you should fast for a minimum of 12 hours daily if you are a female you should never fast two days in a row hormonally like a long fast you should not do that in a row if you're gonna suffer your hormones are gonna suffer hormonally and you're going to shift yourself into starvation rather than um so you go into that yo-yo sort of waking. so that's why i don't recommend fasting on that and then the other thing with fasting is that um our our liver holds on to Glycogen, and it takes it a, a few hours to go through that before you start burning fat. So for the first 14 to 16 hours, you're still burning sugar. At about 16 to 18, now you're burning the stored sugar in your liver. And about 18 to 20 is when you're actually burning fat. For most people, right? You might it might take you some time to get there, like like you were saying. And then past 20, 22 are at this uh, period of cell autophagy where you're really kind of micromanaging your cells and getting rid of any cancer cells, getting rid of any yucky sort of stuff that's not working right. Um, You're in a super hyperactive mode and your body's just getting rid of all the bad. So my recommendation is always that you use intermittent fasting, long intermittent fasting in your diet to maintain weight and to lose weight. So a female can go every other day with a 16 to 18 hour fast and see what weight loss you achieve with that you can go to four days and see if you're still losing weight you can go to three days and see if now you're maintained maybe you need only one day a week to do that so intermittent fasting is fantastic for that and the reason why we have to talk about this nowadays is because we live so differently than god ever intended us to be because we as a society have lights now and we have you know farming that can produce foods and fruits all year round so back in the day you know when we would do um you know ash wednesday for catholics the reason why people did that is because they actually ingested charcoal to cleanse their bodies at the end of winter to make prepare themselves to the spring because when we're eating vegetables we're really eating a lot of metals because the metals will end up in our vegetables and so we would do fasting during wintertime, right we didn't have as much food during the winter time so you would fast a lot more You would get rid of the extra sugars you would get rid of some metals in there and then you would end up your fasting with um something like a charcoal sort of addition to what you were doing and then you would start ingesting vegetables and all that but we don't have that now so we have to sort of re-educate and work fasting into our society that we live at right now. And so that is going to be completely different for everybody. But the stipulations that I'm saying, I think that 16 to 18 hours is really a long fast. Uh, and you could go up to 20 to make your long. And maybe you do well with only two a week and you're still losing weight that way or you're maintaining weight at that point. Maybe your work sort of the way that you live your life, that fits a little bit better. So the good thing about time-restricted fasting is that you can sort of play around with it.
0: That's awesome information. I had no idea about the ingesting charcoal. Do you think that ingesting charcoal is something um, that people should still be doing, or, you know, if it's right for them?
2: Yeah, I, I, there is of really good benefits of using charcoal. And I talk to my clients about how, how to use that in their daily life. You know, For example, if you're gonna be exposed to a lot of toxins, say you're gonna be drinking or something like that, charcoal is a great thing to do. You won't need the ibuprofen the next day. It's gonna bind some of the toxins from the alcohol. It's really gonna be helpful. Only backdrop with charcoal is that you shouldn't use it as prolonged because it will bind nutrients. And so um, for binding necessarily toxins, toxins, charcoal is fantastic and when i'm going to be exposed to any sort of thing that i know i'm not going to be uh, my body's not going to be 100 percent happy with i do use charcoal there's something other uh, or another thing called Diameticus earth i'm sure you ladies have heard about this uh, dim is a great or Diameticus earth is a great thing to take to bind glyphosate which is one of the things that we get exposed to the most and that one doesn't bind to nutrients it only binds to metals and, and things like glyphosate so you could actually be on that more often
0: I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so I do have like food grade organic, um, and I just mix it with water and drink it. Um, but I don't know, are there any other recommendations for how you should be ingesting that? The
2: Diameticus earth. I, I actually get it in a pill and a supplement and I will, um, I'll just alternate between that and charcoal, depending on what I'm doing, but you can take Diameticus earth every day. I like taking this kind of stuff that's binding at night because that is when you do cleanup in your body. And so that's when you're gonna be higher in in toxins, right? So that's when I I typically like to take those things. And one thing I haven't talked about while um, we've been on here is that I am a really bit, the other two things that I'm a proponent are sleep and light. So sleep is extremely important for healing and for health. If you're not sleeping well, you're not gonna get anywhere. And um, we do get the best sleep like the healing sleep happens, uh, before midnight, which means that you probably ought to be going to bed between nine and 10, the latest, because we have 90 minute sleep cycles. So if we go from midnight up three hours, we're looking at about nine o'clock. And so I, that's one thing that I'm sort of big on getting people to sleep a little bit earlier and, um, watching sunrise.
0: Which leads me to one other question that I did have was, um, parasite cleansing. So I saw you on a live the other day and I'm fairly certain that was the topic of conversation I see. I've been following more people that are talking about it now, um, concerning that it's, it's becoming a trend and people are just following whomever's advice, which is always really scary. Um, but. Do you have any experience with, um, like parasite cleanses and what can you tell us about that?
2: So I started parasite cleansing just this year and I work hand in hand with Nancy Densmore and she's been doing parasite or helping people with parasite cleansing for, for some time now. And she actually belongs, or we work together. I added her basically to my group. My group program, and now I run a three-week group program where we reset the gut, we detox from sugar, and we detox from parasite. And so it's a it's a three-week program, and it kind of staggers in between, you know, that week one and two, and two and three on parasite and um, gut reset. But there is something very, very magical and special about addressing parasites while you're resetting your gut lining, and the reason is because we all have them we are we're all going to have candida we're all going to have viruses we're all going to have um all of these things and i say inside us but it's really outside of us like like i was saying so you want a varied sort of uh, army on your outside just like on your skin you don't want it to be super clean all the time because it's the all that stuff is there to protect you your microbiome And so when we're addressing parasites, I think that if if you've never addressed them before, you should address them sort of for that three to five month period. And then after that, you can become, just get to a sort of maintenance place where it's like every three or every six months that you do it. And the reason is because we're always exposed to something. And again, if we can address toxin load, that's where we want to be. And parasites are, you know, if if you have an overgrowth of parasites, it is one of the most terrible things that you could probably experience. I mean, the the stealing of nutrition that you get from a parasite, the bloating amount that you get from parasites, the just unhappiness period. I mean, people lose are losing their hair, their, their, their acne is terrible because of it. It's, it's pretty kind of aggressive. And then on top of that, it's damaging your gut lining because the parasites are, they have toxins that are damaging that bacteria and damaging that sort of balance. And this is why I like working with her on my three week reset, because we're addressing both things at the same time. And even when you're addressing just gut lines, say you you do a two week reset with me and you're like, I don't want to do the parasite cleanse. I'm still addressing parasites. Because I am reestablishing the gut lining and I am eliminating the foods that a parasite would sort of feed on. So adding the herbs and all those things is just kind of like a a very notice to your parasites, like you're gone, you're done. But I don't think it is for everyone, and I think you should be very careful with who you're doing it with. Somebody that's aware of what the toxins that are going to be released after that, how to bind them, when to bind them. Uh, if you know that you have the MTHFR gene or that you, you know, you've had a Herxheimer reaction that's really bad in the past, you should really be aware of all those things, and uh, you know, make sure that you're doing it right. Because otherwise, when you're using these herbs, they're so powerful, and people think it's just. It's just a tea or it's just walnut, or it's just like three drops of an oil. And it's like, no, these things are really, really powerful, and you need to treat them with a lot of respect,
0: yeah. um thank you for that information. And then, when it comes to like a parasite cleanse, like let's let's just briefly touch on um the weird things that can happen when you start to get rid of the parasites. um. Do you say that predominantly the majority of them come out through your poop? Um, because I've seen people online talking about things coming out of their face. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not.
2: Yeah. So Nancy actually um, puked a parasite herself. Most of the people will be seeing them in their um, bowel movements. And also if you're doing like coffee enemas and things like that, that will like promote and like make it even even more and you will be able to see a lot more because you'll be kind of in there and you'll be more flexible to looking but really what you will notice too is that you'll notice um like for myself i was a lot higher in candida and yeast that i thought i was so when i was doing my parasite cleansing i noticed a lot of uh, skin rashes that would come up that i asso- had already associated with when i eat things like uh when i ate things like pizza uh, I would get this rash around my nose. And so when I started doing the parasite cleansing about month three, I would, I was getting this horrible rash here and on my chin. And eventually I figured it out. I was like, oh, it's because I'm addressing that. And by month five, I only got a little bit on the corner of, of my lips, which is still really sort of uh, finishing healing because when you're in these herbs, they, they last for, for a while in your system. So. You notice a lot more things that you wouldn't think when when you're treating the parasites and uh, lack of energy, you, you will get moody, um, maybe joint pain. Uh, the first two months I had joint pain. I was borderline with RA when I before I started about four years ago. And so all of the joints that used to hurt really hurt. So I know that I address multiple things and that's why it's so nice to um do something like that because you're you're doing so much. But you have to be you have to be ready for it because some of the stuff you it's like uncomfortable and you don't want to deal with it. So you have to really be committed to healing in order to go through all of it.
0: That's wild.
1: <laughs> yeah. I follow an Ivermectin channel on Telegram and they, you know, they talk about it, you know, for parasite cleanse and all this stuff. And they call that herxing. And they said that, like, like for example, if you start taking it and all the parasites are dying off, you, you might get, like, shoulder pain really, really bad. And that basically means there is, like, a nest of parasites in your shoulder. And um, I actually did the ivermectin for three months. I did the paste. And, um, I didn't really experience any of the herxing except for, um, headaches. I did get headaches, but I, you know, I just pushed through it and completed like as much as like that I felt like I wanted to do. Um, but at the time I was really suffering from the BII and the colitis. And so I just was like, okay, I'm going to put that to the side because I have to take care of those two things before I can, continue doing other things that are good for me? Like, what's the point of trying to kill parasites and get healthy that way? If you still have these toxic bags inside of your body, which are now removed, thank God.
2: That's wonderful. I know I heard so many people with the
1: BII. I, I mean, I was one
2: that always wanted them for a long time. And thank God, it just never worked out because I probably would have been one of those that ended with 80% of all that you could get from it. And now I've had two children and I'm 42 years old and I'm completely happy with what I have.
1: Well, that's great to hear because I'm sure through your community of people that you work with, you have to run into women that have experienced this. And it's, it's so terrible. It's I, a lot of times like, you know, I said this on the podcast before I, I would think like, God, this must be what people with cancer feel like. And right before the surgery, I was like, absolutely, like, I'm going to die if I don't get these out. That's how terrible I felt. And I was a fit, very active person. And, you know, people would say you don't look sick, but it was it was terrible. And I talk about it all the time. And I do not recommend breast implants to anyone ever, 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 ever. No Worst Im- thing I ever did to myself.
0: No implants of any kind.
1: Nope and you know I just turned uh, 45 and I I I do not want botox I don't want anything artificial in my body ever again you know I love skincare I'll do that I'll do face yoga I do whatever you know but I'm just 100% not interested in anything fake after going through that experience it's totally just oh, I mean terrible terrible and then also you know it, it affects your mind. Not only it affected my gut, which affects your brain. It affects your mind, you know, like, Oh God, I did this to myself. It's so terrible. Like where's the line?
2: Where do we draw the line in terms of, um, you know, using a filter all the time or getting Botox or doing this? I mean, the, how does it affect your gut? How, how, how does that work? And how much you can get out of having a healthy gut to just have the skin that you, have always wanted or, um, you know, limit the wrinkles or do all these things. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that just to talking a little bit more, um, not just about gut, but you know, the toxins. And, you know, we talked about the essential oils reel and all those things. I'm really trying to um, broaden a little bit more and talk a little more because I get so many questions about it. You know, everybody, like I said, everybody just wants like the one quick answer and there's really not, I mean, I focus on those three things, you know, food is medicine, light is information and sleep heals. But along with that, there's so many other things that you have to do, right? It's it's the whole package and the mentality of the Tylenol and the Advil, the one pill wonder, the one surgery wonder, the, you know, go to the gym one time a week or three times a month and you know eat the chia seeds like it it is not that simple and it's not the same for everyone and until we can as a society sort of embrace the fact that it takes work to be healthy and that you should enjoy it it takes you fixing food at home for you to be healthy you can't you can't get away from that either it's you or you have somebody come to your house and do it but if we're not cooking at home we're just not going to be healthy
0: yeah
1: we agree I definitely agree with that. And that, you know, we live in a disposable society, you know, and, you know, oh, this doesn't work, you know, I'm going to move on to the next thing. So that's a problem. And, um, you know, the, what it really boils down to is people don't care about their health until it's taken away from them. And, you know, then they're like, okay, what can I do to fix it? Instead of just maintaining doing preventative maintenance and things like that.
0: Yeah. I feel like, uh, in her industry specifically, uh, when it comes to anything health related, people are looking for just that one quick answer. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but the the more you do it and the bigger your tribe gets, you have people advocating for the things that are so important, which is uh, why we like to talk about it so much because it's about an entire lifestyle, not just, Hey, we brought on Erica today. And she's going to tell us, you know, why, why chia seeds are bad. And then that's a wrap, Mm -hmm. or she's going to tell us why you should be eating, um, whatever pomegranate or something like that and that's a wrap because it's not just one food it's not just one fix it's not just one solution so uh, we appreciate you treating people as a whole i think that's so important um we are nearing the end i wanted to ask you really quickly is there anything that you wanted to cover specifically that we have not covered yet
2: yeah no i don't think so i i really just want people to respect themselves and and try to really find at core what is going on. And a lot of times while that does take an elimination diet uh, or elimination lifestyle, right? Like and that goes for everything. Is it alcohol? Is it your friends? Is it your family? Is it um your work? Is it your partner? Is it your kids? Like find what it is that's causing and how to address it from there because they all matter in your life and you you really have to find a way to live within the society. But there are things that should be non-negotiable. And that is what food you put in your mouth when you sleep and getting outside and seeing the sun, we are beings of this world. And while we have brains to think with, uh, our body is sort of managed and ran by things that do not carry a brain. So our, our blood vessels our all the cells that are human do not have a brain per se, and we are more bacteria viruses and yeast than we are human cells and so we have to address them in the most basic nature that they are and that means you need to go out in the sun otherwise they don't know that it's daytime or they don't know that it's nighttime they don't get their uh, messaging for vitamin d or their messaging for producing hormones you have to go outside you have to be part of the earth in order to be healthy
0: three foods that i wanted uh yes or no for if you recommend
2: Okay, let's do it. Three foods I recommend or don't.
0: okay, um, and you can always expand on it too. So um three th- three foods that bring me um, a lot of curiosity is bananas is the first one. Yeah,
2: bananas i I don't know that I can say I recommend or don't recommend. I do think that bananas are a fruit and they are candy. They're nature's candy, and they should be treated that way. A, B, bananas are usually um, raised or made right now much bigger than they should be. So typically, if you're gonna get one serving of a banana, it's usually gonna be half of a banana, not a whole banana. So be aware, like when you're eating a banana, if you're eating a big banana, you're having two, two and a half servings of a fruit. Um, The other one is that if I'm gonna have a fruit like that, it's not a snack, it's actually a dessert. So it's, it's, it's an after a food. And if I can coat it in a butter, uh, I will do that, like almond butter.
0: Okay, next food would be pineapple.
2: All right, so pineapple is one of those that becomes really popular because it's got the bromelain or whatever, which is really good for your um, enzymes. Uh, Is what I think people are really promoting it for. And, And again, I feel like it's candy. It's a fruit that um, it's really high in sugar. So your glycemic index is going to be impacted when you, when you have that. And why is that important? Like, why should I care? Well, I should care because A, it ages you. So if you're into anti-aging, then you should keep your glycemic um, spikes really, really at a minimal. And so uh, there's that. But other than that, Again, we don't want to be on that sugar sort of roller coaster. So, if you're going to eat pineapple, again, eat it after a meal or with a meal rather than um, all on its own. But uh, you know, I I think fruits are fruits are fine as long as you're eating just once serving a day.
1: So, I recently went to somebody who does lymphatic massage because it's really important to do that um, because of all the toxins from the breast implant. You know, so. Um, and he's like, drink a ton of pineapple juice and that's what I've been doing, but I didn't know it ages you. Do I have to this out with pomegranate?
2: (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. Quick question. Are you having the juice or the fruit juice? So, uh, juicing is like one of those really popular things that. I am not 100% a fan of, I think it it has room, there's room in life for it. But when you say you're juicing pineapple for all day and you're drinking pineapple juice all day, you're literally just drinking sugar all day. So two things with that. Again, they have a purpose, right? Are you doing this for the rest of your life? Probably not. Are you doing it because you're trying to bind things for a little bit? Then go for it. But just be aware that when you're going to go off of it, you're going to have a little bit of a hard time going in between meals, fasting and extending your fast because you have been on a sugar load all day long. You have not shifted to being a fat burner at any point throughout the day if you're having pineapple juice all day. So is there a pos- a positive thing that you're doing with it right now? It sounds like it. I mean, you're, you're getting your lymphatic drainage, you're uh, pushing stuff out. So absolutely do it for a little bit, but I don't know that I would suggest doing that all the time.
1: Thank you for that information. I have pineapple juice in my cup in front of me right now and I'm feeling guilty now.
0: (laughs) Okay, and then the last one, I had two more, but I'm gonna get it to just one. Pick a hand, left hand or right hand? Left Left hand is going to be garlic.
2: Okay, garlic. I love garlic. Um, However, if you have an unhealthy gut, so if you have like IBS or you have Crohn's or something like that, you are gonna suffer a little bit with garlic because it's just really strong, A. And why is it strong? It's because it's an antiviral and antibiotic. So you're like an antiparasitic even. So you're creating sort of a detoxification within your bowels without knowing. But garlic has a lot of good things too because it does feed some of the good bacteria and you get good postbiotics out of it. So it depends. If you're having issues with garlic, I would say address your gut lining, address your gut health, you're probably imbalanced there. But if you don't have any issues with garlic, then I would say 100% garlic is fantastic. Uh, cooked garlic is gonna be a lot more gentle than raw garlic. And also if you are gonna do raw garlic, For the love of your gut and your friends, make sure that it doesn't have the little green germ inside because it's going to make your breath like be rank. So Just use fresh garlic when you're going to use it um, raw.
0: Okay, that's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for the information today. It has been a real pleasure to speak with you.
1: And we are so looking forward to you coming on our Telegram live and getting to interact with our members. I'm sure they will have loads of questions for you. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, that
2: would be great. Thank you so much, ladies. This was fun.
0: Before you go, hit follow and share with a friend.